If you want to become a difference maker, relationships are going to be crucial, especially the ones that you build with your family. This episode is going to outline for you exactly how to build solid relationships. But what if you feel disconnected from yourself because you've experienced childhood trauma or you have some unresolved baggage in your past? How do you ensure that you're building solid and healthy relationships? In this episode, I'm speaking with counselor and coach Quentin Hafner, and we're going to dive into that specific topic. Quentin is going to tell us what kind of relationship the women in our lives are expecting from men in this modern age. You're also going to learn how to make a difference in your children's lives, even if you were raised by abusive parents. Understand what a healthy level of participation is and expected from dads when it comes to relationships they build. and. We know that men often struggle with reaching out and expressing their emotions more than women. Quinn is going to explain exactly why. And if you want to become a difference maker dad, Quinn is going to give you the first step that you need to take. My conversation with Quinn Hafner starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Hello, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the DMD podcast. My name is Cam Hall. I am your host, and I am excited that you're here today. We are now on episode 17. We are rolling along. I am pumped for today's conversation. Uh, I am honestly coming off of an amazing family vacation. I hope you've had some time this summer months to get away with your family and holiday. And I shared a little bit in a solo episode a few weeks ago how I felt uh, guilty about not being present during a camping trip that we were on as a family. And so I was really conscious about that over the last few weeks. I got to tell you, we had an amazing time. We were blessed with amazing weather. We were on the Oregon coast amazing sites. If you've never been there, you need to go. It's it's quite the drive. We made the drive with our family 16 hours each way, you know, with a eight-year-old and a 10-year-old who did fantastic, but it was an amazing time. And I came back knowing that this episode was la- launching this week, that it was coming out on this Wednesday. And I am pumped for you to hear it. I've been waiting for this episode for us to be able to put this out there because I'm having more conversations with men who feel stuck in their ability to build relationships, maybe because in their life, they've experienced something bad. Maybe they had childhood trauma. They grew up in an abusive home. They've never really been able to have solid and hold down solid relationships. I'm going to tell you, this is the episode for you. You need to hear this. And if you are someone listening to this right now, and you listen to this episode and you hear what Quentin has to share, and it brings you value in any way, please pay it forward. Share this episode with someone you know. Share it on social media. Take the link. Get it from wherever you're listening or watching right now. And of course, if this brings you value and you appreciate this, please subscribe, rate, and review. Help us build some traction so we can get into the ears and to the eyes of more men so that they can become dads making a difference. Well, today I am joined 
by counselor, therapist, and coach Quentin Hafner. Quentin's life's work is about helping people move from feeling frustrated, confused, and distracted by the challenges that they're facing to a point where they're reclaiming peace of mind, feeling more energized, and ultimately discovering sustainable solutions to the challenges that they're encountering day to day. This is in their family, this means in their business, and this means in the world around them. That is what we're doing here with the DMD Podcast. And so I love that that is Quentin's mission. Like I said, Quentin is a therapist and a consultant. Uh, He spent many years working in the corporate world. And so he takes a real unique approach when it comes to helping men overcome the challenges that they're facing. Uh, He has a very, how do I say, entrepreneurial spirit when he's talking to men. And so he comes from his counseling perspective with a counselor's heart and entrepreneur's mind. And it's amazing. Quinn is also the author of a number one best-selling marriage book called Black Belt Husband. You can get that on Amazon right now. It's an amazing read. And you, maybe you'd guess from the title that uh, Quinn has a background in martial arts and jujitsu. And so that is something that he loves to do. We'll talk about that a little bit in this episode. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Quentin Hafner. Quentin, welcome to the DMD podcast, brother. It is great to have you here. Thanks, Cameron. Super excited to chat with you. And uh, yeah, excited. Awesome, man. So, you know, I we were talking a little bit before we pressed record, and I mentioned how, you know, we've had conversations on this podcast with experts and influencers, bloggers, coaches, therapists in in different areas. Uh, And some have spoken about marriage and some have spoken about feelings and emotions. Uh, But I was really looking forward to this conversation with you because, you know, you come from it from such a unique perspective. Um, So Quentin, why don't you start by sharing with the listeners a little bit about that perspective, you know, what led you to become a therapist, a little bit about your story and why you're so passionate about helping men in their relationships and in their development and in their emotional awareness. Okay. Yeah. So I'll just tell you a little bit about my journey becoming a therapist. So um, when I was around 30, I went through a divorce and it really just rocked my world. And I remember somebody telling me at the time, um, hey, you should go talk to somebody. <laughs> you know, you should go see somebody. You know, that's always the nice way that people are trying to tell you that you're a mess. <laughs> and um, so, I, I, you know, to be totally honest, I didn't even know what therapy was at the time. I didn't really even understand what that was or what that meant. But I eventually found um, somebody to work with. And, um, you know, to say that it was life-changing is like the understatement of my life. So I kind of went on my own journey and, you know, just started kind of uncovering so many things, even from my past and things I was just had no awareness around, uh, uh, things that contributed to me getting a divorce and that relationship falling apart. And then just somewhere along that kind of experience in, in therapy, I had this idea that maybe that I would want to do that work myself. and. So I ended up going to graduate school. Um, I had a really good job at the time. And, you know, I I say that because everybody thought I was totally nuts. They're like, wait a minute, you're going to quit your really great job and you're going to go do this like psychology thing. And so that's, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, 
you know, it's when, when you feel called to something, it doesn't make sense really to the outside world. It only makes sense to you and maybe the, the close people around you. So I felt very called to do this and left a very high paying job to, you know, go work for $20 an hour, essentially um, doing, uh, you know, social work. So wow. that was kind of the beginning of my journey. And, um, you know, that was about 15, 16 years ago now. You know, since then, you know, my practice has evolved and uh, specifically it's evolved in that I primarily work with guys. And, and the, the reason that's kind of happened um, is because in the world of therapists and that profession, it's predominantly female. The ratio um, in, in California where I practice is like four to one women to men. So there's just not that many guys. So if you're a guy and you want to go talk to somebody and you want to talk to another guy, there's just not that many resources out there. So, um, I just ended up kind of being the kind of a go-to guy for guys. Yeah. It's so true. You know, I've been, one of the things I've been struggling with over the last couple of years was some mental health stuff. I've talked about that on the podcast, uh, but I, I also reference how, when I was looking for someone, I probably went through 100 people in my local area because I was like, nope, female, nope, female, no female. And to find a there's something about finding a guy, you know, because there's this perspective that, uh, and I'm sure there's lots of, you know, there's lots of very qualified and amazing, you know, female psychologists out there who help guys. But as a guy, you're, you're like, there's a little bit about me that wanted a guy who kind of gets it, you know, have you found in your interactions in your, in your line of work that that's kind of a filter guys are using when they come to you? Yeah, you know, it is. And I agree with you. You know, there's plenty of women out there that are super great at what they do. And I'm, and I'm sure they could be very helpful for, for guys. So, hey, guys, if you're listening to this, don't be uh, re reluctant to work with a work yeah. with a woman. True, true, true. Yeah. I, I've worked with female therapists also throughout my, my time and, and I've had amazing experiences, just a different perspective. You know, a lot of guys, they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, like, and, and, I, and I say, I don't say this, you know, braggingly or arrogantly, but they'll just say, you know what? you just seem kind of like a normal guy. And I like, you're kind of normal. <laughs> and like somehow in our profession, that's like a really big compliment. So I don't know what it says about the profession, but um, just being kind of a guy's guy and um, that I, I feel like I can relate to, to guys on a, on a certain level. It's just, it's just a good branding tool for me, I guess. Yeah. It, you're not the, you know, the guy in the black suit, the bald head, the mahogany shelves and the leather clad furniture. Like, this stereotype exactly. that guys expect when they walk into an office or connect with another guy in, you know, a counseling or therapy session, right? Like, so I want to circle back just for a moment. You mentioned that when you were 30, you went through a divorce. Were you a father at that point in time? No. And I mean, I'm thankful that I didn't have kids, my first mm -hmm. wife. And um, I feel like God in some ways really kind of spared me from that because I look back at that time and man, I just, I was so ill-equipped. I mean, not only to be married, but you know, to, to, to be a father then. So I didn't have kids with her. That was a real blessing. I know divorce gets a lot more complicated when you have kids. So in, in so many ways, um, I kind of dodged a bullet with that. Yeah. But you're a dad now. I am a dad now. Yeah. And, and, you know, and my, my, my boys mean everything to me and, you know, it's like everything in God's timing. I, I feel like, you know, I ended up, I had, I had my, we had our first son when I was, um, I guess 37. I was 37 when we had our first son. And um, that's the time when I felt like I was ready. Yeah. Amazing. You know, I'm going to lean into that a little bit. 
you, know, you mentioned how that divorce was an experience in your life that was a trigger for kind of a change of events in, in your career choice, which you wanted to pursue, you know, then you become a dad, you know, so share with us a couple, you know, experiences, realizations, you know, maybe successes, maybe some failures that have shaped you as a father. I have a pretty traumatic story about my own father experience. So when I became a dad, oh man, it just brought up so many feelings for me, so many emotions. Um, so, you know, just, you know, briefly, my biological dad was a heroin addict that I, I essentially never knew. He, he, he and my, my mom split up when I was about six months, six months old. And I've never seen him. I never, I've never, never met him, never seen him again. And so, so that was, that was like the first father wound, um, just not knowing my biological dad. And then my mom remarried my stepdad, who was a pretty abusive alcoholic. And so I, I, I unfortunately had to kind of live through, through that terror growing up and, and having him as a father, uh, kind of a, a father figure, a father role model. And so, you know, when I became a dad, it, it was like, I, I, in some ways I had to kind of, um, it, it, it's not like I had to go back and wrestle with all that stuff again, but it just brought up a lot of that stuff again. I had to kind of like rethink my, my own relationship to my father for the, for the most part, I had, I've done so much work on myself that when I did become a dad, I just felt really ready to be a dad, you know? And, and, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And the way I look at my kids and the relationships that I have with them now, it really feels like kind of like a, just like a, like a, like a beautiful kind of, like offering that I'm giving them and they're giving me. It's almost like a redo from my own experiences. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What a cool opportunity to build relationship. You know, you mentioned that this is opportunity. It was almost like a fresh start. Hey, to kind of flip the switch on maybe a path that you could have gone down having the background that you've had. And now being a guy with kids of his own, who's, you know, finding this opportunity to step into a role that maybe at one point in your life, you weren't fully prepared to take on and, and weren't ready for. And they said, yeah, it's 37. I was just ready. I was just ready to do this. Uh, God made this happen at that point in time when you're ready. And I don't think that was an accident. So I just want to, I'll lift you up a little bit right now, man, and Thanks, tell you man. how, how cool yeah. it is to, to hear your story and that, you know, your dad right now is making a difference in the life of his family. So thank no, you. I appreciate cool. that. No, Cameron. Yeah. 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 And I, and I, and I, and then, you know, and I would just, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I feel so blessed to be a dad. I feel so blessed to have them in my life and the joy that they bring me. And it certainly is a beautiful uh, redemption story that I feel like I get to participate in. Um, so that's never lost on me. I'm always thinking about that. And, you know, just even a look at my little guys and, 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 and just the contrast of, of the relationship that I have with them versus the relationship that I had with my stepdad growing up and just seeing their experiences and remember my, remembering my experiences it's not, it's nothing that I did too. I, I just want, maybe I want to make that clear too, because I'm not trying to take credit <laughs> for something at all. It's really just, you know, the work of God and the, the work that, you know, God put certain people in my life that allowed me to heal. And um, I'm just so grateful for that. 
Yeah, very cool. I want to I want to go towards now what you do and how your experiences have kind of shaped um, your role. You know, as a professional, I've heard you speak before about you know men becoming active versus passive participants in their relationships, um, about guys reclaiming their masculinity, and, and masculinity comes up a lot in our conversations on this podcast. Um, sometimes you know, maybe toxic masculinity versus manhood masculinity, but uh, without getting too much into that, but how do you become a father? And I'm not asking you, but like when you're working with men who want to become active participants in their building relationships, how do men become a difference maker in their relationships and in their family? Wow. What a great question. How to become a difference maker. Let me just, let me back up a second and kind of tell you where, you know, some of my thinking has come from and, you know, some of the work that I've done because, you know, being, being in my position, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. And I just said, you know, being, being in the position that I'm in, in the work that I do, it's, it's really a privilege because I get to see, you know, day in and day out firsthand, all the mistakes to avoid, (laughs) you know, like, and it's, it's a crazy kind of world that I live in too, because I, I see guys make mistakes or, you know, go, you know, go right when they should have gone left or do this thing when they should have done that thing. And I see the natural consequences that unfold. I mean, it's like, it's like, that's the world that I'm, that I'm living in. And so I'm really, I'm, I'm really privileged in that way because like, I don't have any, I don't have any delusions that having an affair, you know, would be a, a good choice, you know, or would be satisfying, or it would be even tempting at this point. Because I've seen so many guys go down that road and, I, and I, I've seen the destruction that's come from it. And so my passion in helping guys has been, has come a lot from just seeing so many story after story of, of guys that were just, they were really good guys. They were good guys. They were well-intended guys. And they, they just didn't know what it really took to be successful as a family person because they came from their own families. It may, it may not have been like abusive and traumatic, like it might've been or may not have been, yeah. um, but it, they just came from their own family experiences that they, they, they didn't have that role modeling. So sometimes I just feel like I'm this guy with this like bullhorn trying to like scream at the top of the mountain saying, guys, you know, like look out, you know, there's like a, there's a cliff over there and you're going to fall off the cliff. And I promise you, if you don't believe me, look down, you're going to see all these dead bodies down there because Mm. so many guys before you have kind of walked off that cliff. So that's where my, you know, that's where, that's where my passion comes from. Just because I've seen so many families break apart. I've seen so many, you know, you know, just horrible things happen. And, you know, for whatever reason, God just put me in that role. And so, you know, I'm just trying to help men avoid those pitfalls. And so when you're, when you're helping men avoid those pitfalls, what are some of the consistencies that you see that men are struggling with? Like these things that, you know, pop up that are causing issues in the relationships or in their marriage. Like you, you said, you, you get to see, unfortunately, you get to see people kind of sometimes at their worst, right? When they really need help or they really kind of messed up. And there's guys listening to this right now who are probably going through stuff and they're like, do I reach out to someone? Do I not? But you know, what have you seen guys, what are they struggling with? Oh, that is such a good question. So man, there's so many different ways we could take that question, but I'm going to try to make it simple for the sake of our conversation. So 
and I'm going to be super generalizing right now. And I know there's exceptions, but just for our conversation, I have to be, I have to be kind of general in thinking about this. Um, guys don't really know how to have relationships and they, they get into marriage and, or fatherhood, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and they are kind of operating in an old paradigm that worked in prior generations. It, it actually didn't work, but it happened. And they're taking that paradigm and applying it to their relationship today. And it's never going to work. And guys don't have the, the updated skill set in order to be successful in relationships. And so they go into relationships and they have this, they have this, they have this idea that, that they say, okay, well, um, as long as I'm, you know, you know, as long as I, you know, don't drink too much, as long as I, you know, don't hit the kids. And as long as I, you know, keep making money to support the family, like, isn't that enough? Mm. You know, like, what do you, what do you, what are you complaining about wife? Right. And, and so the, 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 the bar on relationships has been rightfully elevated and mo- the, and so there's a gap right now. There's a, there's a, there's a skills gap between what is expected of guys in relationships and where guys' skills are at. And if I can help guys fulfill that skill gap, they're going to be thriving. It's not, not just relationally, but it's going to impact their business. It's going to impact so many areas of life. And, and, and so what I, what I'm trying to help guys with is developing the skills to close that gap. Yeah. Amazing. Do you feel that the reason that there's such a gap is because men are buying into this portrayal of what a traditional perhaps relationship or marriage would be like when you think about how marriage has been portrayed in media, you know, I think about even the, it, even the TV shows I saw when I was growing up, like as a young kid in the eighties and how even before that, like we go back to like the seventies and sixties of how the image of the father and the mother in the home and the role of the kids in the home was portrayed. Do you feel that we are now seeing this gap because of a misunderstanding of the roles in, in relationships? For sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, I write about that a little bit in the book and I talk about kind of the, the sociological aspects of like how, how we are kind of where we are and, you know, different movements and time and how we've kind of landed in this place. But, you know, essentially men by and large are looking for a utilitarian relationship. Like I want it to be functioning. I'm looking for utility. I'm looking for you to take care of the kids and I'm looking for you to clean the house and I'm looking for you to have sex with me sometimes. And I'm looking for you to be accommodating to me and I'm going to go out here and I'm going to make the money and I'm going to come home. And so that's going to be my responsibility. And this is going to be your responsibility. And we're going to function really well together. We're going to have lots of utility. Mm. And that kind of utilitarian uh, aspect of a relationship is an old model of relationship. And what women are expecting in, in today in 2022 is a way more rich relationship. They're expecting something that's more deeply connected on an emotional level. Mm. And a lot of guys are like, what are you talking about? How do I even do that? What does that even mean to be connected on an emotional level? Because I, I never saw my dad do that. My dad didn't do that with me. Yeah. And my friends on the golf course, we don't, they don't talk about that. They don't do that with their wives. And so there's that, there's that, there's that really big gap. And, and just, just to clarify too, that having a utilitarian relationship is not a bad thing. It's, it's, it's a very important thing. It's good to have utility, 
but guys get just stuck there. They get kind of concretized in that utilitarian aspect because they don't know how to do the emotional part of things. And then relationships start to get sideways. So let's talk about the emotional side of things. Uh, guys struggle with processing emotion. You know, I, I can speak from my own experience that there's been times where maybe anger has come out and anger's what is portrayed, but it's not actually what is being felt. Maybe there's frustration, maybe there's apathy. Uh, you've spoken on that before about apathy in relationships. You know, can you speak to men's struggle with, you know, feelings? Because guys hear the word feelings and they think soft, right? And I've heard you speak in the, it's the opposite. Like feelings aren't being soft because you have feelings or you're processing emotion, or like you said at the beginning of our conversation, you reach out to connect with someone or for help. That doesn't make you soft. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. You know, and, and I, maybe, you know, you're probably like this, I'm like this, you know, and I, I think guys are generally, we're, we're, we're thinkers, you know, mm -hmm. we're kind of logical creatures, we're rational. And this is, this is, a, this is, um, there's a lot of nuance to this, but just generally, if I was going to break it down, I, I would tell you that that women are a lot more connected emotionally, and men are a lot more rational. And that is a beautiful thing. What a, what a wonderful thing. We're kind of different in that way. I know some people are listening to that, and they're going to cringe because they're going to say, no, women are rational too. It doesn't mean that women are not rational. Just as a general rule of thumb, men are kind of cognitive people, and women are more feeling people. Okay, And so, what a, what a great difference. We want to celebrate that difference. And where, where a lot of guys get stuck is that if I said to a guy like, oh, you know, it'd be really good for you to um, learn how to become more emotionally engaged in your relationship. They're kind of like, ooh, I just don't even like the way that sounds. I don't even <laughs> like the way that sounds like even a little bit, right? Yeah. Too risky. Because too risky. You know, are you trying to change me? Are you trying to make me, you know, some soft, you know, weak person that, you know, me and my friends are going to make fun of? And, and, and so it's, it's, it's not that, it, and I, and that's why I, the, the whole, the, the black belt husband thing yeah. was like, I was, what I was trying to do there was trying to tell guys like, you can be a savage killer and still talk about your feelings. That doesn't like, these are not at odds with each other, you know? And, and I would even argue the point that the stronger you are as a man the more secure you are in your manhood and you're in your masculinity, the easier it is for you to be able to talk about your feelings. And so it's a little bit like upside down because a lot of guys are like, well, I'm not going to talk about my feelings. It's like, man, that just makes you weak. Like you don't really realize it, but a lot of guys are going to judge you for that and say, that's like little boy material, you know, because when you move into manhood, true masculine manhood, you're not afraid to say that I feel sad. You're not afraid to say that I feel lonely. You're not afraid to say that I'm scared. Mm. because you know that it doesn't change the essence of who you are and your, your, the masculinity that is inherent inside of you. So it's kind of like an upside down universe a little bit for a lot of guys. Yeah. And a lot of that book was trying to help guys see it from that perspective. Anyways, does that kind of make sense the way I'm thinking about that? Yeah, absolutely. And you, know, and you mentioned the book, you know, The Black Belt Husband, which you wrote. And in that book, you go through a different belt levels of progression. You know, I have two young kids, uh, seven and 10, who do karate. And so, you know, you start with going in, you just got your white belt, then you got your yellow belt, and you're working up and you go through the different colors. You know, uh, 
just briefly, because I want to get back to the, the taking risks and the, the feelings part, but briefly, can you touch on like where you came up with this spell system, what it's framed upon? Yeah. So I do Brazilian jujitsu as a hobby. So the, the, the book was, the book is kind of like using jujitsu as a metaphor for relationships or a metaphor for, for marriage and in, in Brazilian jujitsu, you know, or just like any martial art, you know, you start as the beginner and you're trying to kind of move up to become, you know, an expert, let's say. And so I, I look at marriage so much in the same way, you know, in the beginning of marriage, it's like, man, you get married. What do you know about marriage? You don't know anything, right? You're not supposed to know anything. You're brand new. You're a white belt. You're the beginner. Yeah. And so what are, what are the character traits that you're, that you're supposed to kind of embody in that beginner's kind of frame of mind, you know, self-awareness and humility and things like that. And then you move up through, through, through the belt structure and then, um, you know, eventually get to that place where you can feel confident, like, you know what, like, I know how to do this. Cause a lot of guys, they, 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 they feel very uncertain about how to be a husband. It's very shaky ground. If I ask them like, Hey, how do you, how, how do you be a good husband? They're like, man, I don't know. Like yeah. plan a date night, um, you know, come home on time. And it's like, it's like, man, we, I just want to help guys raise the bar because, um, even if your marriage survives and you don't get a divorce, even yeah. not getting a divorce is such a low bar to set because it's like, do we really want to be unhappy for, yeah. for, for that duration? So I think there's just a, there's a, there's a higher standard that we could all call ourselves to that ultimately is going to be to our benefit. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, I bring up the question lots with guys about, you know, becoming a difference maker and what that means. And we talk about being a difference maker in your family and your business and the community around you. And a guy will say like, well, what's a difference maker? And we found that the guys I'm speaking with, it means something different to everyone, like their own perception of what making a difference, a dad being making a difference, what that means in their home. Uh, and it's amazing, Quentin, how a guy will share with me what it looks like to be a difference maker in his home. And yet that's so contrary to what he thinks being a difference maker in his community versus business is. And there almost seems like a disconnect because at home, it's like, I need to be this guy for my kids and this guy for my wife. And then in his business, when he talks about his community and his business, it's like, it's almost more natural and it's easy for him to talk about. But when we talk about making a difference at home, guys are like, uh, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. quite sure what that means. And you know, mm. you're speaking to guys, not being super emotional being like, we are emotional yeah. beings, but we don't process that way. Yeah. So no, it definitely makes sense. I appreciate you, you sharing a little bit about that progression, that mastery piece. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dads making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. 
Well, let me, let me say something about what you just said too, because I think you just said something really interesting, you know, about the guys not really not sure how to be a difference maker. And I think a lot of that comes from, I just think a lot of that comes from a lack of role modeling for so many guys, you know, like, I mean, sadly, my role modeling to, to become a good husband or a dad came from a therapist. And I'm not, I'm saying that sadly, because I didn't have that naturally. I didn't have a, well, I did have a good uncle, so that's not totally fair, but I didn't have like a great grandfather and I didn't have a dad figure. And I didn't have, like my dad didn't have friends that kind of poured into me. And so, and I think a lot of guys are like that. They're just kind of like on their own, you know, trying to be like, you know, like, I don't know, you know, like I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to make money because I think that's important. And I know I'm supposed to be a provider. And, and, and so there's not really a lot of role modeling for typical guys to kind of look at and say, Oh, okay. Like, I just want to emulate what you do. Like, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. I don't have to think it about for myself. I'm just going to, I'll follow your lead. You've been successful. I don't think a lot of guys have that. Yeah. And we speak to the dangers of isolation, right? Uh, you and I are part of a group, a mastermind group where, you know, there's a gentleman who leads that, who will be interviewing the podcast, Aaron Walker, but and he speaks how isolation is the enemy of excellence. And I think that speaks as well as in this case where you don't have a role model and how you need to seek out people to be involved in your life who will push you to be better, uh, who will push you to right, push the envelope of your comfort level, holds you accountable, lift you up, keep you humble, <laughs> you know, the, all yeah. those, all those things. And so. No, I appreciate you bringing that point up. There's guys in there's guys in isolation. Uh, wh what would you say to those men right now who are listening to this and like, I feel like I'm in isolation. Like, what do they do? Um, maybe as it relates to reaching out to surrounding themselves, but also in how it relates to your work and what you do. Well, you know, I, I just want to say that, you know, it takes so much courage to, to admit even that you're isolated mm. and, um, so if you're kind of wondering if you're isolated, you're probably isolated. <laughs> and um, the truth is we all get isolated. I mean, even, even me being part of a mastermind group doesn't mean that I'm not isolated at times. You know, it depends on how much I want to lean into my mastermind group to, yeah. you know, let them know what's going on for me. And so um, I guess I just want people to know that it just takes a lot of courage to admit that. And it takes even more courage to say that you don't want to be isolated and that you want to reach out for help. And so a lot of times, if I say to somebody that they might be isolated and they could be, you know, they could benefit from more, more relationships or more role modeling or more groups, that's not really a great selling point for guys because the, I, I think the selling point is that your isolation feels bad and you know, it feels bad. It hurts. It's, it's a, it's a painful way to go through life to, to always be unsure, to be, to be wondering or to feel lonely and to, to feel just really disconnected. Like nobody knows you, like nobody really knows you. And the, the great selling point for it all is to realize that you're going to just feel like a million dollars. You know, you're going to feel like a thousand pound weight gets lifted off your back when you become connected with people, people that you can relate to, people that you want to aspire to be like, people that are further ahead of you, people that are behind you. 
Um, that's one of the beautiful things about jujitsu too, is that when you go and train, you know, there's always somebody better than you and there's always somebody worse than you. And so you have this really wonderful natural experience of kind of getting taught by people and then having an opportunity to kind of teach others. And so if you want to get connected, you can reach out to me personally. I'm not trying to sell any of my own services. I just, I know how to plug people into stuff, but there's, there's so many great resource resources out there to, to help guys not get isolated and, and not be isolated. And, and it's the ultimate act of strength. Yeah. So you, you have to really challenge that inner critic and that, that voice inside your head, that's going to say, Oh, you know, you know, you know, only weak men do that. Or these losers do that. It's like, not true. Like, I mean, there's guys in my, my mastermind group that I'm like, dude, you guys are like, you guys are light years ahead of me. You know, I'm, I'm working <laughs> to be like you guys. You know? Yeah. 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 And, and that speaks to the importance of reaching out. And especially when it comes to the importance of reaching out, even for professional help, there's the stigma. And I think the, the greatest barrier is the first step. And it often is in many of the things we do, you know, the first step is often the hardest. There's a little bit of, oh, should I take it? Should I not? That wavering back and forth. Like when we watch our kids fall along the furniture, you know, there's a little bit of scaffolding piece where you, you're leaning up against and maybe you're listening to the podcast or maybe you're plugged into a community group or you're reading a book, like these things that can kind of prop you up, but you haven't taken that step on your own to reach out for professional help. And so I appreciate you saying like, reach out because that first step, guys, I can tell you if you're watching this on YouTube or listening as a guy for a long time, who was like, I can't do that. I should do this. And then finally reached out and finally sought out professional help. It was a game changer. It was a game changer for, for me individually. It was a game changer for me and my relationship with my wife and my kids. And so listen to Quentin right now, reach, like take that first step and reach out. Well, you know, it's funny, yeah. uh, just to, just to yeah. piggyback on what you're saying, you know, a lot of guys too, that, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of okay reaching out for help when it comes to like growing our business, you know? So yeah. like, you know, so, you know, if you have some like marketing challenge, you don't know how to do it. You're like, Oh yeah, I'll hire this marketing consultant. They'll help me. But then when it comes to our personal lives and you know, something's kind of wobbly, something's not working right. It seems like that's where guys really have a hard time reaching out and whether it's pride, yeah. ego. Why, yeah, why or, is that? Well, I think it ha has a lot to do with pride. It has a lot to do with ego. <laughs> yeah. And it has, it has a lot to do with fear of judgment. Oh, it has a lot to do yeah. with fear of judgment, fear of shame, of, of, of feeling like I'm a failure because I needed to ask someone, you know, how to be a good husband or how to be a good father. It's very, it's a very shameful experience. But if I say, oh, well, you know, my business is doing a million dollars and I want to, I want to ask someone to help me take it to $2 million. It doesn't feel shameful because it feels like it's all good trajectory. Right. You know, but the thing about reaching out on the personal side, and I was talking to, to, to Aaron about this um, earlier on the podcast, you know, it's like, what good is it to have all the money in the world? all the riches, all the material possessions, the new cars, the new houses, the, the vacations, and, and knowing that there's going to be a point in time where it's all going to, it's all going to, it's all going to come crashing down mm -hmm. because the way that you're doing your life is simply not sustainable. It cannot keep going on the way it's going on. And so you, you work so hard to accumulate so much only to know that it's all going to evaporate. Right. And so it's like, let's engage our rational brains. Remember we are talking about we're rational creatures as men. It's like, that is a not, that's not a rational thing to do. No. 
you know, I've coached men since 2015 and guys will put themselves through the ringer chasing the side gig or financial freedom or working overtime or even in their health where I coach guys to like lose weight, get more energy, all these types of things. When I ask them why, especially if they're dads, I guarantee you the why is their family. And so otherwise, I want to be able to be more present. I want to be more energetic and actively engaged in this process. I want to be a better father. And, and yet, like you said, well, go, 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 go in all these other areas. And the next thing you know, you've neglected the driving force behind it. And I think that comes, I back, that to, I think that comes back to ego, where it no longer becomes about that why, and it becomes about you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a sad, that's an unfortunate reality. And, and I got to check myself on this too, because I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. You know, I love my business. I love trying to grow my business. I mean, I'm always thinking about stuff. So if anybody listening can relate to that, just know that I'm, I'm one of those, I'm one of your types. Yeah. And, and I have to check myself too, because, you know, if, if I start working too much, I can even delude myself with that lie that I'm doing it for my family. It's like, why are you working so much? It's for my family. It's not for my family. It's for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I can say that it's for my family and, and there's part of it that is true, but there's a part of it that's not true because there's a big part of just my own ego fulfillment and my own, you know, you know, just wanting to do something cool for myself is wrapped in that too. You know, it's like, it's like this much goes for my family and then everything on top of that is just for my own. So yeah. I think if we're all, if we're all going to be really honest and I, by the way, I don't even think that there's anything wrong with that. I think God made us to be creators and he wants us to build and do really big things and valuable things and cool things. But I don't think it should ever come at the expense or the cost of our families deteriorating. Yeah. Awesome. Got a question for you. Okay, God. As a father, and that, and I had, I've been asking you lots of questions, but this isn't. This is. I love this question. I like to ask guys this. You know, as a, as you grow as a father, because I think we're all growing. What are some of the areas of growth that you have personally committed to, uh, or that you're excited about right now? Oh, great question. Well, you know, like I shared a little bit about the the family of origin stuff that I came from and my dad, my stepdad being abusive. And um, what I have to be really mindful of is I, I've kind of taken the pendulum and kind of swung it far to the other side because I, I'm, I'm so terrified of ever becoming anything like him that um, I've moved it really over here. And I, I'm, I'm very aware of that. And I, and I, I'm, I'm trying to find that middle space, mm. that middle space of like, how do I be, cause I have a, I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And so, you know, they're at still pretty, pretty, you know, innocent ages, but as time goes on, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be challenged more by them. And so I'm trying to find that middle space of like, how, what does it look like to be like a healthy disciplinarian? I certainly mm. don't want to be like my stepdad. I don't want my kids to be scared of me, but I can't just be the, the gushy love, love guy all the time either, because I know that's not good for my kids. So that's my challenge is trying to find that space. I'm always trying to think about that and think about just my interactions with them um, be, because there's a whole host of problems. If I just stay on that side of the equation too, they're going to look different in the end, but there's, it's, it's problematic. Is that kind of answering your question? Absolutely. No, okay, thanks. Cool. 
thanks for being a bit vulnerable in answering that. You know, sometimes when we're put on the spot about areas of growth, we're like, oh, in your head, you're like, what am I growing in? You know, like, is this, <laughs> will, people, will people think less of me if I say this? Uh, no, but I appreciate the honesty. No, and everything that you've shared today, I know comes from a place based in experience, based in like, a, a, like caring for men. And so, no, I appreciate you. Thank you for sharing. That's good. Awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, Quinn, the, the, our time has flown by and I know that the guys who listen to this will get, you know, massive value. I'd love to have you on again. Like you, you speak a whole bunch on, on marriage and we didn't even dive into that. And, and maybe we'll say that for another time, but uh, Quinn, in the meantime, you know, if someone listening today wants to find you online, wants to connect with you, how can they do that? The best way is probably just through my website, which is quentinhafner.com, Q-U-E-N-T-I-N-H-A-F-N-E-R. And then um, you can follow me on Instagram too. It's Quentin underscore Hafner. Those are probably the easiest ways. Excellent. Perfect. And we'll make sure uh, we're going to include all Quentin's contact information in the show notes. I'll also you know, use a link there where you can pick up his book, The Black Belt Husband. And so you can get reading that. I, I highly encourage you to pick it up. Uh, Quentin, thank you for you know, taking time out of your busy day as a busy dad to be here and to speak into the lives of the guys in our community. Uh, I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too, Cameron. Thanks for having me. I mean, it really is an honor that you'd have me on your podcast and I appreciate all the work that you're doing too. Okay. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today. And I will see you on the next episode of the DMD podcast.